0: Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back on the program today. Great to have all of our listeners here. We're so thankful that you are here, and we're thankful to be here with you each day right here on Search the Scriptures. What a blessing we have to be able to come together this way on a regular basis, open up God's Word, and without any fear of any kind of government reprisal, we can step up and just study His Word openly. We can teach it in its clarity and in its truthfulness, and with boldness we can do that. Not everywhere in the world is this freedom enjoyed, and we have a, bl- a special freedom in this country to be able to teach God's word in an open fashion, to believe it according to what it, how it is really written, and not have anybody standing over our shoulder and saying, no, no, if you teach that, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be arrested. You're going to... Uh, be incarcerated or disciplined in some kind of legal fashion. Again, in some parts of the world, the gospel has to be taught under wraps, so to speak. It has to be taught and, and studied in secret because if somebody were discovered preaching the gospel openly from God's word, they could be in danger, again, of legal reprisal. We need to take advantage of our freedom and we're thankful that you're doing that and that we're able to do that daily right here and Search the Scriptures. Able to open up God's Word, dig deep, study those rich teachings and truths, and try to explain them in a way that is easy to understand, and yet look at it in the depth of how it is written, trying to bring out the deeper meanings, helping us to Come to God according to his will and understand his will for just how it is he wants us to live before him and ultimately looking forward to an eternal eternal home with him in heaven. Our prayer is that as we study together each day that your knowledge of God's word is growing. And that's important because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as your knowledge grows and your faith grows deeper and stronger... You should be coming closer to God. And as you come closer to God, our prayer is that you'll ultimately make up your mind that you will come to him all the way, his way, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. That's our prayer for you. That is God's way to heaven. Then begin to walk that new life in Christ, reborn, a new life, a new creation that you will have become. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 17. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you. Well, today we're going to finish this study that we've been going through, this series of studies asking the question, or making the point, rather, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. So we've talked about that. We've looked at the example that, that David learned going all the way back into the Old Testament when David was determined to take the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and ultimately establish centralized worship for the nation of Israel once again. And as he transported that Ark in a way that he thought would be proper and respectful, yet it was not the way that was described, that was prescribed, I should say, in God's word. God had given specific instructions as to how the Ark would be transported. It would only be transported by the Levites, And it would only be transported in a certain manner, on poles that were uh, that would that would rest upon the shoulders of the Levites, or that they would carry. And and again, that was the way the ark was designed, and that was God's instruction as to how the ark would be transported. And so, along the way, when David, uh, or when when uh, the the oxen pulling the cart on which David had had the ark placed stumbled. The cart apparently teetered and the driver reached back to steady it from what we would consider to be a normal, instinctive, and proper human reaction. And yet he touched that ark, and that was something that was prohibited by God in his word. And God struck him dead. The man's name was Uzzah. David, not knowing why that had happened, stopped the whole process right there. put the the ark in the house of a man named Obedidim, went back to Jerusalem and did some studying. He came to find out that he had made a grave mistake in not transporting the ark according to the instructions from God. And so he informed the Levites as to what God's law said, and then they went back and they did it right. Now, that whole scenario, that whole story, you can find in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and also chapter 7. You can find it in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and you can read about about it in a parallel account to some extent in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Now, that is a valuable lesson for us. David found out that he could not do that any old way even though his intentions were honorable and admirable, and he intended to do this in order to to enhance Israel's relationship with God, I believe we can understand, he still learned that he needed to do things God's way. And so God disciplined him in that particular point, and David learned that how we dedicate ourselves to God is probably just about as important as the fact that we are dedicated to God. Now we've looked at several applications of this particular principle in this study. We've seen that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important when it comes to doctrine. That is what we believe, what we teach, what we practice. We've also seen that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important when it comes to how we obey God's teachings. We can't just make it up on our own and we can't just do what feels good to us, but we must obey God according to his instructions. And that would be conforming our will to his will. We also saw that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important in how we worship God. I'm afraid that a whole lot of people, perhaps even the vast majority of those who would identify themselves as Christians really don't give much thought to this. They just kind of do whatever is put before them, whatever is presented to them. They kind of just follow a pattern that they've always seen or that they see other people doing. But we noted that we need to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. That is the New Testament pattern and example. We've seen that our singing needs to be the the fruit of our lips, and that there is no authority whatsoever given to us in New Testament scripture for the church worshiping God with mechanical instruments of music. Now, most people don't even stop and think about that. They just assume that an organ or a piano or a full band would be acceptable, and it feels good to a lot of people. In fact, a lot of churches, they put on a regular show that they call Worship, Choreographed, stage lighting, all planned out. They have a choir up there singing for the congregation and to the congregation, but you never find a choir singing for the congregation in New Testament worship. The church just sang themselves. And that's what Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 and Colossians 3 and verse 16 says that we need to each one of us individually. Praise God through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking to one another, teaching one another, and encouraging one another through the songs that we sing. We also noted that we need to give according to God's instructions, and there are definitely some instructions there. A free will offering, but it needs to be a responsible offering based upon how God has blessed us to begin with. And we noted from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, that we need to give cheerfully and willingly and that God will bless us according to how we give back to him from what he has blessed us with to begin with. Our preaching and our teaching needs to be from God's word and it needs to be focused Again, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And we need to guard against false teaching. We cannot change God's word. It is God's word. We're not smart enough, and we certainly do not have the authority to change what his word teaches. We need to pray to God fervently, and we need to pray to God regularly, daily, several times a day, and certainly as we come together to worship him as the church, prayer should be a central feature to our worship. We also noted that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important in how we commit ourselves to God. Now you think about that and and ultimately we need to come to realize and accept and live by willingly and cheerfully the principle that God must be number one in our lives. Number one. Jesus conditioned his openly owning us before God upon our openly confessing him before men in this world. We must be absolutely openly committed committed to God and to Christ as our Savior. Absolutely, no punches pulled. And if we do not accept his teachings, then we need to recognize that we'll be lost. John chapter 12 and verse 48 says that if we do not accept his word, we do not believe it to be his word, we do not live by his word, then we're going to be judged by that very word which we have rejected. In 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9, we will have to come to, the, to grips with the reality that if we do not live in and live by the doctrine, the teachings of Christ, then we don't have God. We're not walking with him. So we need to recognize that we must submit our will to his will and we must live by his teachings or else we'll be lost. Now, let's look at one more point in this area of commitment How we dedicate ourselves to God is important in how we commit ourselves to God. A lot of people, they just feel committed. They think they're committed. They do things that feel good to them and make them feel comfortable in what they understand to be commitment. But we need to recognize that we have to commit ourselves God's way, according to his teachings and his will. Remember that Jesus said, we need to take up our cross daily. Well, let's look at this particular point. Our faith must be active and alive and working. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. Daily we can't just be Sunday morning Christians. Or what's even more common today perhaps is every once in a while Sunday morning Christians. (laughs) Yeah, so many people, they feel like, you know, I don't really need to be at church services every week, let alone Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or whatever the church might meet. On a regular weekly basis, i if i've got something coming up, you know, if there's something pressing or if i want to go to a ball game or if i want to go on a picnic with the with the family or whatever, i don't really need to be there every single week. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. In James chapter 2, beginning with verse 17, James really focuses on this and pr- this principle of regular, steadfast, and consistent dedication, open dedication, and he even calls it works, working faith that we must have if we're going to be pleasing to God and to Jesus Christ, our Savior. In verse 17, James says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That bothers a lot of people. I'm afraid that perhaps a lot of people who believe that faith only or faith alone will save them may not have read this, read this particular text. And James is very detailed here, beginning with verse 14 of James chapter 2 and going all the way through the end of that chapter, verse 26. Now, in verse 18, he says, Someone will say, you have faith and I have works, as if you could separate them. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. When you stop and think about that, it really makes a lot of sense. It's logical reasoning. Faith that is just sitting there, how, do you, how can you see that faith? How can it be evident, even for the individual who says he has it? But James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. He goes on and he says, you believe that there is one God. So again, people who think you're saved only by believing, by faith alone. Well, James says, even the demons believe and tremble. And surely no one would suggest that the demons are saved, yet they believe. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? James says it again, very directly in verse 20. Now that's twice in this one text. He talks about Abraham, and he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Now don't go to Romans chapter. and start pointing out where Paul says Abraham was justified by faith. You see, there is no contradiction between what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 4 and what James writes in James chapter 2. Paul talks about faith, and James defines faith, if you would. James says faith is not just sitting on a couch and intellectually believing or agreeing. He says real faith, saving faith, is put into action through obedience and service and dedication, commitment, and James says that's working faith. So Abraham, our father, was justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Abraham had faith, but he had to do what God said to do for that faith to be effective. You could think of it this way. Works are the vital signs of faith. We go to the doctor, and what's the first thing we do when we walk into the doctor's office? They take our vital signs. They take our temperature. They take our heart rate. They take our blood pressure, vital signs. Those demonstrate that we're alive and well. James is saying, in essence, that works are the vital signs of real faith. Now he goes on, and he says, in verse 23, the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Now this is the exact same Old Testament reference that Paul used in Romans chapter 4. The same one exactly, and that's from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. James is not contradicting Paul, and Paul does not contradict James. They complement one another. We get the greater, more full understanding of what real faith is by reading the two of them together. He goes on in verse 24 and he says, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. That's the third time James says that in this short text. He talks about Rahab. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? And then notice the very last verse in James chapter 2. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Dead also. That's the fourth time he has said that. Faith without works is dead. Now go back to verse 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Do you realize that that is the only reference in the entire New Testament where the phrase faith only is found? And it is preceded by the words not By faith only? Very interesting, isn't it? How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Our faith must be active. It must be alive. It must be working. When Paul was writing as to how we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves lest anyone should boast, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Did you know that the very next verse, he writes these words, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, yes. Real faith, saving faith, that faith taught in the New Testament is working faith. In fact, in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul wrote, Who gave himself for us, speaking of Christ, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And in chapter 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And then in verse 14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may, be un- that they may not be unfruitful. Now, this is not optional for us. We're instructed not only to be involved in good works, but to be zealous for good works. Our commitment cannot be just spoken. Our commitment must be active. It must be put into action, into motion. It must be obedient. It must be dedicated and it must be working, active. There must be service there. In 1 John chapter 3, and verse 18, John writes along this line, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. Our commitment cannot be just spoken. It must be active. It must be dedicated, it must be serving, it must be working faith. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. How are you dedicated to God, my friend? How does your life indicate your dedication? Are you following God his way? Or are you trying to follow God your own way? How you're dedicated to God says a great deal as to whether you truly are dedicated to God. In just a moment we'll tell you how to contact us and you can receive a free Bible study that will help you understand how to dedicate yourselves to God on His terms. The study is free. We take care of the postage. Contact us right away and ask for that study And begin to learn what God's word says as to how he wants you to be dedicated to him. Because again, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important.